0: We're going to be reading there, beginning at uh, verse 3. Two weeks ago, as we dove into the story found in the first chapter of the first book of Samuel, we begin talking about the contrast between a family that seeks the favor of the Lord and a family who seemed to do everything to push away God's favor. And it seemed like there were two families who both had access to God. One didn't want anything to do with God, it seemed, and the other one was really seeking after the favor of Of the Lord. As we look at these two families, we came to grips with this reality. The reality is this that in the Scripture there are conditional promises. And what conditional promises mean is this that God has promises, rewards, and blessings for those who meet certain requirements, certain conditions. And as we talked about that, we couldn't deny the fact that the Scripture is filled with conditional promises promises to bless and to favor and to heal if we do certain things. So what we wanted to point out about conditional promises was this. God makes his conditions clear. God doesn't write his conditions on small fine print to try to deceive us. God always makes all of his conditions very, very clear. Number two, the reward is always greater than the sacrifice. Trust me, the cross you carry today does not compare to the eternity you'll have tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to repeat that again. Somebody's going to get really excited. The cross you carry today does not compare to the eternity that awaits you tomorrow. Anybody? That's what I'm talking It's the truth. Sometimes, somehow we think we're sacrificing a lot, but let me tell you something. What, we, what awaits us in eternity is much better than what we sacrifice here in this world. And here's a blessing. God is not a man that he should lie or turn back on his word. So we can trust him. We can trust him in his word. And so when, when it comes to conditional promises, we need to be aware of this reality in regards to his word. Now, in light of these truths of conditional promises, we looked at the contrast between two families. One family who sought the favor, the promises of God, and one who is pushing it away, the promises and the favor of God in their lives. We saw Elkanah and Hannah. In Elkanah, we saw a man who was faithful, even in a corrupt culture. He was faithful to honor God. In Hannah, we talked about a woman who took her desperation before the Lord, and she didn't leave the presence of the Lord until she received a word or a confirmation or an assurance from God. We also saw in her a woman who, uh, who held on to that assurance that God gave her, no matter how small it was, until she received the promise of the word that God declared to her. We also saw someone who dedicated what God had given her. In other words, God blessed her with what she asked, and then she gave it back to the Lord. It's, it's, it's a powerful thing. When God blesses us and we say, Lord, you've given this to, to us, so we consecrate it. This is going to be used for your glory and for your purposes. It's a wonderful thing. Because if we don't do that, more than likely what will happen is we will make idolatry out of the things that God's given us. God's blessings can become Chains. You can go through Scripture and see that oftentimes where God has blessed, the very blessing has become idolatry over and over again. And so we don't want that to be the story of our lives. And Hannah was a woman that dedicated what God had given her, the son that she had received. Now, the contrast between Hannah and Elkanah is Eli and his sons. Eli, who was high priest, uh, benefited from the sin of others instead of checking it and holding it accountable. He had a whatever attitude, like he didn't care when it was time to intercede and ask God for, for uh, mercy. His sons, the Bible said, didn't know God, didn't regard the Lord, couldn't care for the Lord, even though they were in charge. They were, they were uh, entrusted the very presence of God. Isn't that something? They were in closest proximity to the presence of God, being the Ark of the Covenant. And instead of guarding it, they could care less for it. And their legacy was the legacy of Ichabod. And Ichabod means the glory of God has departed. Now that is incredible. I want you to think about that. A high priest uh, would only go into the Holy of Holies once a year for the sacrifice, uh, uh, the forgiveness of sins for the entire people of Israel. The high priest was Eli. His sons were to take care of the very ark of God's presence, the symbol of God's presence, They disregarded it, and instead of ushering in God's presence, they were kicking out the presence of God. It is a really, really, really bad thing when your legacy is Ichabod, when God wants your legacy to be Emmanuel. When God wants you to be the usher of his presence, Emmanuel means what? God with us. Our life should really not end on Ichabod. God's presence is left building. And that's the story. Of Eli and his sons, and so in the midst in the midst of that we have Samuel, who grows up in a corrupt generation with a corrupt priesthood. Yet God's hand is all over this boy; He uses him, and uh, we're going to read in. Chapter 7, the story of how Samuel calls Israel to seek after the favor of God. Now, before we go into that in chapter 4, you find the judgment that falls on Eli and his sons. Then in chapter 5, you'll find uh, how um, Israel was defeated by their enemy and how the ark was taken uh, from them. And then you'll find in chapter 6 how the Philistines mishandled the ark of God. And even though they weren't the people of God because they mishandled the ark of God, God brought judgment on the Philistines, right, like severe judgment to the point that they were like, "Um, we don't don't want anything to do with this thing. Because I want you to know something. Even when the people of God act a fool, God will not let shame be attached to his name. God will always defend his name. Even when we're out of line, we'll suffer the consequences, but God will always be seated on the throne. And he was on the throne when the Philistines took over the ark and the Philistines had to get rid of the ark. However, Israel suffered 20 years of being bullied by their enemy, the Philistine, because of their sins. Now, in the midst of those 20 years, finally after those 20 years, Samuel, he's growing up before the Lord. He's hearing the voice of the Lord, and, uh, and he's being led by God. The Bible says that he was a prophet whose words never fell to the ground. In other words, that means that when he prophesied, the word that God had given him, Never, uh, never was there a prophecy that was false or, or a prophecy that wasn't fulfilled, right? So Samuel was used by God. And then he called Israel to seek after the favor of God. And that's what I want to talk to you today about, growing in God's favor. Because first Samuel, the story of Samuel, is the story of a child who had a family who sought the favor of God and grew in the favor of God. And you and I need to be people who grow in God's favor, I want you and I to have a hunger for God's favor. You should desire to be favored by God. Anybody with me? Right. You and I need to have a longing for more of God's favor, more of God's blessing, more of God's presence. And some would say, well, I, I just feel uncomfortable with that, Pastor. I'm just happy with all that I have. I'm just is I'm just enough. You know, I don't need to seek more baloney. You need more of big Jesus. You need more of a big Jesus. And I know, that there's a, I know that there's a prosperity gospel, that it's all about me, 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 and what I can get instead of who Jesus is. But the reality is, is God is an ocean too insurmountable for you to grasp in your life. And he's saying, dive into me. I got so much more that I got to reveal to you. So much more. God wants you to seek after all of him. It's obvious that this is who God is even in the Old Testament. Think about Moses. Moses sees a burning bush. Don't you, wouldn't that be glorious to see? And God speaks to him and says, for the first time we see God declare his name, who do I tell the people that you are? Tell them that I am that I am. Isn't that incredible? Tell them that I am that I am. He sees that revelation. You think Moses says, well, that's enough for me, Lord. No. You know what he says to God? He says, show me your face. He's as bold as to say, show me your face. And, you know, God's like, boy, I know what you want, but you can't handle my face. So I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. Ain't that something? And then did he settle there? He said, no, God, if your presence goes, I don't want to stay. If your presence stays, I don't want to go. He was about seeking more of God. And you and I need to get a hunger for more of God in our lives. We need to grow in his favor and in his presence. And Samuel wanted Israel to seek after the favor the blessing of God. And so we're going to pick up there in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3, and we're going to read there on down. It reads this way. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, in other words, don't be returning to the Lord with half your heart, okay? In other words, don't return to the Lord with part of your heart. And don't return to your Lord with just your hurting heart. Return to the Lord with all your heart, right? You ever been to a wedding where somebody says, you know, to the bridegroom or to the bride, I promise to give you half my heart and only half my heart until something better comes. You never see that, right? You know, maybe in Jerry Springer. I don't know. I don't watch it, right? But you don't see that in the house of God. And so here the Lord is saying, okay, why don't I just get to the message? Okay, so here the Lord is saying, if you're returning to the Lord with all your heart, okay, and then put away the foreign gods and the asterisk from among you and direct your heart to the Lord. Direct your heart. Does it say wait for the Holy Spirit? Does it say wait to see a revelation? Say wait for an angel? Wait for a miracle? It says, no, you direct your heart. Direct your heart. To the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreth, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel and Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said, There we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah now, when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, that word keeps coming up over and over again—it's important. Okay, the Lord of the Philistines, the Lord to the Philistines, went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel, and when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, "Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that He may save us from the hand of the Philistines." So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord and Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering the Philistines drew near to attack Israel but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion and they were defeated before Israel and the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Beth car Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us, or thus far the Lord has helped us. (coughs) Excuse me. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath. And Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between the Israelites and the Amorites. Samuel uh, judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. And he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah. For his home was there, and there also he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. Amen. Powerful scripture. God, deliver your word today. Here, Samuel is calling Israel to seek after the favor of God. After 20 years of dealing with their sin and dealing with the judgment of God, Samuel is called now to lead Israel, and he stands up unashamedly to challenge Israel. And he says to them, Do you really want the Lord? Do you really want the favor of God? Do you really want to return to that place of blessing and goodness and care from Almighty I Am? Do you really want to return to the Lord with all your heart? Do you want to grow in God's favor? then this is what you have to do. Number one, number one, you got to call sin what it is. got to hate it, and you got to turn away from it. Notice what he said. Put away your idols. Put away the things that get in between you and God. If there's something, if there's a sin in your life that doesn't line up to the Word of God, that's an idol standing in the way of our relationship with the Lord. It's the very first thing that Samuel does. Is If you really want to return to the Lord, you can't return to the Lord carrying that baggage. You can't return to the Lord carrying that nonsense. you got to get rid of it. If you and I want the favor of God in our lives, number one, we got to call sin what it is. We got to hate it, and we got to turn away from it. We can't compromise with it. And what is compromise? What does it mean to compromise with sin? It means this. When there's a sin in our lives, justify it, deny it. Act like it's not that big. Look at others and say, well, others are doing worse. Figure out a way to make it sound better than what it is. If we're going to grow in the favor of God, we got to learn to hate sin and put it away. Now, very important, Colossians chapter 3 says this. I encourage you to read that portion of Scripture. It says this, if you have been born again, if you are a Christian, if you're a follower in Jesus, and if indeed you've died to this world and have been raised to new life in God, put away the old sinful life. Put it away. With all its practices, and I'm going to paraphrase what he says that with all its lying and gossip and slander and wrath and anger and impulse and sexual immorality and all of that stuff, put it all away. That's the way of the world. And you practice that way. And the way it says it's like a habit. It was a habit to us to live this way, to live bound to these ways. But instead of that, choose to put that away. Who has to put it away? The Holy Ghost, big Jesus, God the Father? You do. You do. Well, doesn't the Holy Spirit help us? Sure. So we submit to the Holy Spirit. But we have to do the work. Yeah, I, I've said this before. It's worth saying again. Church, there are things that God delivered me from immediately. And then there are some things that Lord allowed me to wrestle with. Some things that God's saying, I need you to start dealing with that. Put that on the cross. And if I'm just waiting for some supernatural act from God, I'm just going to stay stuck in my stronghold. Why? Because I'm not dealing with the things God wants me to deal with in my life. To submit them to Him, to yield them to Him, and to put it on the cross and deny myself even though I desire those sinful things and choose to follow after God. Are you with me so far? It says, put away the old stuff and walk in the new man, which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the likeness of its creator. In other words, when we come to Christ, when we're alive in Him, we're given a new heart, our spirits are awake in him, but we're still new babies. We're new in him, and every day we're being renewed. And how does that renewing come? It comes as we grow in knowing who God is. As we grow in knowing who he is, he reveals who we are. And as we walk in that, then we begin to grow in new habits and new patterns. as a new creation because we begin to line up to the mind of Christ. But that is a decision, not a feeling. Can I get a witness? I make a decision to renew myself. I got an awesome guitar. It's a Taylor guitar. 314 CE cutaway guitar. It's beautiful, stunning. Uh, Last time I priced it, it was $1,500. Glory. I didn't buy it. It was a gift. My wife would have given me the look if I would have just looked at that guitar, right, if it wasn't a gift, right? It was a gift, right? And I i play that guitar and i enjoy it and there's a good friend of mine johnny rodriguez who can really play the guitar i mess with the guitar but the brother plays right and he would grab the guitar and be like oh this is an awesome guitar and he start doing licks and he start playing harmonics and doing all these things and you're just like mesmerized like, look at him play and then he'll stop and go okay here you go by the time he gives it back to me it's like my guitar is screaming at me like why are you touching me right now (laughs) give me back but it's the same guitar. I just can't make it sound the same. I wish I could. But i got to practice a whole lot more. God says that he's given you everything you need for life and godliness. Just because you have it doesn't mean you're practicing it. We have everything we need for life and godliness. Just because we have it doesn't mean we're walking in it. And God is calling us to the practice of holiness. How do I get this mind to think rightly? How do I get this soul to have the right appetites? How do I get these eyes to begin to look the right direction? Come on, somebody. How do I get my mouth to speak life instead of cursing? It takes practice. It takes training, and it's hard work. It's hard work, but if we're going to grow in the favor of God, we got to call sin what it is and do away with it. Second, we got to know this, church. The moment we're going to seek after God's favor. The moment we decide to do away with sin, the very moment you make up your mind to seek the Lord, is the very moment the enemy's going to rise up against you. Right. You're going to face opposition the moment you seek the face of the Lord. It's not like all of a sudden the, the the devil's going to be like, "Oh, look at Monique, she's seeking after Jesus. Let's leave her alone. Let's let her bring people to Jesus and bring healing in people's lives and testify. Let's just leave her alone." No. The very moment you seek after God, the devil is going to attack you. You want to know why? Because the devil believes the word of God. And what does the word of God say? If you seek, you're going to find. And sometimes I think he believes it more than the saints do. The word of God says, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you ask, you'll receive. If you knock, I'll answer. And the devil knows that's true. And if you seek God and you get a revelation from God, that means His ki- the kingdom of darkness is in trouble. So what he wants to do is keep you as far as he can from the revelation of God so the moment you set your face to seek the Lord he's going to try to stand against you notice Samuel called Israel to congregate themselves at Mizpah to begin to seek the Lord you know what Mizpah means it means alertness it means watchtower it is a place of sobriety in the spirit it is really a terrain that's mountainous from there you can protect all of Israel because you can see all of the land and God is calling you and I to rise higher from the place of sin, rise higher from the places of this world to a place where we are alert in the Holy Spirit, alert in His, but the moment that happens, the enemy's going to try to attack you. Notice what happens. The Philistines saw that, saw that this was happening, and immediately when they saw all of Israel at Mizpah, they said, let's go up and let's attack them, right? Let's attack them. So when you seek, the moment you seek God's favor, It's a moment you say no to sin. It's a moment that that the opposition is going to rise against you. When that opposition rises, I got good news for you. I want you to hear this. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Run towards your intercessor. What is intercessor? The one who stands in the gap for you. Notice what Israel did. There they are. Samuel says, Turn away from your sins. Meet me in Mizpah. Let's pray to the Lord that the Lord will forgive us. As he's calling Israel to come up to the mountain, all of Israel comes, and all of a sudden Israel sees all the problems that are coming their way. Is is there anybody here who once they got saved, it's like all hell broke loose in every direction? That's when you need to turn to the intercessor. Israel turned to Samuel and said, "Um, we're here, and they're like coming. You, You need to keep interceding for us. I want you to know that you have a greater intercessor than Samuel himself. His name is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that right now at this moment, he's interceding for you. The Bible says nothing can separate you from his love. The Bible says that there is nothing that could actually condemn you since Jesus died and rose from the grave, and now he stands before the Father interceding for you. What is the only thing in heaven that's man-made? The wounds on Jesus' body. The only thing in heaven that's man-made is the wounds on his body, the scars that he carries. And every day he stands before the Father. I know what the devil is saying, but Lord, see my hands. God, see my wounds on my side. See the stripes on my back. They belong to us. Anybody excited about that today? You, You got homework on Monday. Everybody got so excited. Yes, homework. I want you to wake up in the morning. And I want you to think of this reality. Jesus is interceding for me all day long. To wake up. I don't know if you're waking up with depression or with anxiety or heavy because life has been tough. I want you to wake up. I want you to set it on your iPhone, on your Android, on your alarm. I I want you to remind yourself every hour. Uh, You can do that with a smartphone now. Jesus is interceding for me this hour. And I want you to do life from that place. Think about that. I'm doing life from a place where Jesus is interceding for me. The the wounds on his body are interceding for me right now. There's no greater intercessor in the world. So they went to Samuel. Samuel interceded. And when Samuel interceded, God answered. And listen to the way that God answered. God began to bring confusion on the enemy. Before Israel began to fight against the Philistines, the Spirit of God came over the enemies of the kingdom of God and, and, and began to bring confusion so that the Philistines would be in fear, so that the Philistines would have to retreat. And then from the mountain, which seemingly they are surrounded, Israel comes down with the power of the Lion of Judah to attack its enemies. I mean, think of Israel roaring down that mountain, coming against the Philistines. This is Braveheart stuff. Anybody? Any, right? This is Braveheart stuff. And they begin to defeat their enemies. And this is what happens. When you choose to do away with sin, when you choose to run to your intercessor, God's going to give you victory so that you're no longer running away from the enemy, but you're making the enemy run away. You're overrunning the area. And you're taking over. And you're taking over. It's very interesting. The Bible says that they were at that place of alertness, Mispah, that watchtower. And and God gave them that territory all the way to Bethkar. You know what Bethkar means? Place of the lamb. And the lamb is a feeble animal. The lamb is uh, uh, even more uh, vulnerable than a sheep. And you know what the reality is of our lives? It is in those places where God wants to bring about the most glory in your life. Those feeble, weak places. Those places where you feel like, man, can God ever get the glory? Can he? The Bible says, in your weakness, he is made strong. Two of us are excited. <laughs> the Bible says, in your weakness, he is made strong. You get to seek the face of the Lord in Mispah, and you stay there, you're going to see how all the way down, even in the places of your weakness, God's going to get glory from your life. Anybody <laughs> excited about that today, Amen. Praise God. Even in the place of your weakness, God will get the glory for his life. <laughs> then Israel said, well, God's given us the victory in our land. Now let's take back what the enemy has taken from us. Amen. And they went into Ekron, and you know what Ekron means? Eradicated, land that have been uprooted, land that have been taken. Israel took back what the enemy took from them, took it back. And the other land, Gath. You know, you know Gad. You know where that is? That's the land where Goliath was from. It's very interesting. In the future, you're going to see that that land becomes a problem for Israel because a place where God gave them victory, Israel lost, right? And now they have a stronghold. And this is the truth of the kingdom. When God gives you victory, if you mishandle that victory by allowing that sin back in your life, you're going to find great strongholds in those places. And you think it may have been bad before. It's going to be worse when you let it back in. The Bible says the demon leaves, you know, when God cleans a place, a house, the demon leaves and finds seven stronger to come into that place, right? And if you allow something to come back into your life that God's redeemed you from, you're going to find that that stronghold is going to be stronger than it was before. And they found themselves with a Goliath because they didn't keep the victory that God had given them. But I want you to know God could give you victory over Goliath. I don't know where you're at today, but God can give you victory over Goliath. Just apply the same principle. Seek the Lord in opposition. Run to the intercessor and watch him give Him victory in your, give, give you victory in your life. Now, but I don't want to go from stronghold to stronghold it. I don't want to go from victory to failure, victory to failure over and over again. I don't want my life to be circles of broken relationships, of unhealthy finances, of pornographic addictions of anger and impulse of not taking of of not taking uh reverently my time and my family anybody here don't want their you just don't want your life to be a sick cycle it seems like sometimes you know over and over again the same story the same saga over and over get Victor, go back what's going on i don't want to go before god the father and hear the lord say i want to say well done but all I can say is you kept visiting the same problem over and over again and over again and over again. And that's the goodness of God because he allows us to visit those until we get healing and freedom. But I don't want my life to be lived out over and over again. How do I go from strength to strength, from glory to glory, from victory to victory? Well, we got to do what Samuel did it there at the end. Notice what Samuel did, and we'll close with this. He continued the sanctification process over all Israel. Once Israel gained the land, and once Israel gained what uh, the promise, uh, he would go throughout all Israel. Uh, he would do a triangle, just visiting over and over again, to make sure, to make sure that everybody was obeying the Lord. And in his place in Ramah, he set up an altar. In other words, his home was an altar unto the Lord to make sure that. God was being worshiped. How do we maintain victory in our life? Say yes to God's sanctification process. Number one, our hearts have to be an altar before the Lord. We got to say to the Lord, Lord, my heart is your home. It's no longer just a place of my desires. It must be your throne room, it must be your place of revelation. I give you permission over my heart. And then we got to say, Lord, we want you to hold accountable every area of my life. Anything in my life, anything in my life that needs to be held accountable, God, I give it to you and do whatever it takes to put that accountability in place. Strategically, strategically for Samuel, he went from city to city to make sure that the law of God was being obeyed. What do we strategically have to do? I know what I have to do. I got to seek, seek accountability. I got to have accountability for my eyes. Make sure that I'm looking at the things that honor God. I got to have accountability as a dad. Make sure that, you know, as a dad, I'm spending the time that I need to with my kids. Got to have accountability in my marriage. Marriage. I got to make sure that I do what it takes to continue the victory in my life. That's sanctification. And sanctification is a churchy word, ain't it? And we kind of, some of us struggle with churchy words, but this is one word we got to love. Because what sanctification means is that you're becoming holier, you're becoming pure, you're becoming free, you're becoming joyous, you're becoming righteous, and you're walking in peace. And I don't know any of us who doesn't want that. Anybody with me? Would you stand with me today? Thank you, Lord. If you usher sure can help me with this. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, we desire you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you close your eyes with me? Would you bow your heads if you feel the freedom to do so? Thank you, Lord. We come before you today. We long for your presence. Thank you, Jesus. If the altar workers can join me here at the altar. Chevy and Anna, too. I don't know if if you guys could also join me at the altar as well. Tamara, you can join me at the altar, too. Hallelujah. Robbie. Crystal, if you're free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Today, you're here today, and you realize that you're at a place where you have to finally be done with sin. Okay, I, I'm done justifying, rationalizing, denying, making less of. You realize today, if you're going to grow in God's favor, you have to put away sin. Today, you're saying, I'm done. I'm done. I want to live my life for the Lord. I'm making the decision to wake up, to go to mishpah, to be aware, to awaken the spirit. Today, I want to be done with sin and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? Right now. Say, I'm done. I'm done. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, that's been me for many years. I want to be done with sin, but the opposition rises and it's so strong and I keep... And I I just keep failing. But now I know. Now I know that what i got to do is run to the intercessor. So I'll make a decision not only to be done away with sin, but to run to the intercessor. Today, I'll make a commitment to run to my intercessor, Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? Let's pray with you. Let's pray with you. He says, I'm willing. I'm going to run to the intercessor. I'm not going to allow the opposition to stop me. From seeking the Lord with all my heart. That's you. Would you come up to the altar right now? Thank you, Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. Let's be done away with sick cycles. Let's let's do away with let's do away with sin sickness. Hallelujah. If you're here today, it's the last call, and you're saying, Pastor, I don't want to live on the defensive anymore. I've been reactionary, just Reacting to the attacks and the trials and the storms and the circumstances. I don't want my life to be a reaction to the attacks of the enemy. It's time for me to attack the kingdom of darkness. It's time for me to take back what belongs to God. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That means that there's got to be a church somewhere who's attacking the kingdom of darkness a church that says, I'm going to go through the gates and take back what belongs to God. Enough is enough. There's got to be a mama here who says, I'm going to take back my kids for Jesus. The place of prayer I'm going to pray. it has got to be a dad here who says, I'm going to take my kids back for Jesus. has got to be somebody here who says, I'm going to take my marriage for Jesus. I'm going to take my school for Jesus. I'm going to take my workplace for Jesus. it has got to be someone here who says, I do not want to be on the reacting side. I want to be on the offense for Jesus. If that's you today, you're saying, I want to take up the fight. I know that God's calling me to stand my ground and fight. And I I want the Holy Spirit to reveal to me, reveal to me how to be on the offensive for his kingdom. Would you come to the altar right now? Would you come to the altar right now? Let's pray. Let's pray. I am going to share with you a testimony I read in the book Radical. And it's a real radical testimony, so don't judge me. Just bless the Lord. In the book Radical, a group of Christians were talking about smuggling Bibles to a country where Christianity was uh, uh, basically illegal. And the only way to get the gospel is by lying to the government by smuggling Bibles. And uh, and so the pastors and a group of people were talking about, what are we going to do? you know? And there just happened to be somebody there who just got saved from a real wicked lifestyle and... They turned to the pastor, and I said, "And they said, Pastor, um, I, I just got to let you know, uh, I used to smuggle things. I can smuggle me some Bibles. I, I could smuggle Bibles into that country. And you just, you know, when I read that testimony, I just laughed out loud. And I thought to myself, what a slap in the devil's face. All of a sudden, the devil just trained that boy to smuggle Bibles into a country. Ain't that good news? Ain't that good news? What does God put in your hand to take? What does God put in your hands to be on the offensive for his kingdom? What is that God put in your heart to do for so that you can make an impact and push back the kingdom of darkness? Would you come up to the altar right now? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you for your church. Thank you for your work. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Help us to live our lives pushing back the enemy and gaining ground in our lives and in our community. In Jesus' name. Church, would you raise your hand right where you're at, all those who are not at the altar, would you raise your hand? If God is for you, who can be against you? No one can separate you from his love. Turn to the intercessor. Stand in the midst of opposition, and God will give you the ground that he has promised. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen, amen. amen, the altars are open, we love to pray with you.